Hello creatives, you are listening to episode 10 of 99% Perspiration. We are a weekly podcast bringing you interviews and advice with today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can take their advice and gain the confidence and the know-how to become tomorrow's. That's our ethos. That's what we're all about. So on today's 99% Perspiration. Being an actor is being good to work with and working well in a team and doing all of the hard work. Do you know what I mean? It's It's not just about standing on stage and getting applause. That's not what being an actor is. Kylie Ann Ford is an actor based in South Shields in the UK, and she is, in my opinion, one of the best in the business. She's just brilliant. Um, I've used her in a few of my radio dramas, and that's my passion outside of this podcast, making radio dramas. And she's got some really good, solid advice for you if you're interested in acting and uh, how to get yourself out there. It gives people who have an interest in creative writing uh, a sense of community and support somewhere to go where other people who are doing the same thing get inspired by what other people are doing, learn things from each other, and actually feel I'm not crazy for thinking, well, actually, there's something to what I write. And that's Ian Rowan. He's the facilitator of a writer's group based in Sunderland called Homeside Writers. If you remember back to episode five of 99% Perspiration, we interviewed Joe Collins, who's from the band Lilliput, and also co-owns Homeside Coffee. And that's where Homeside Writers is based. It's this great um, writer collaboration. They all get together, help each other write, help each other with advice and critique each other's work. But I'll let Ian tell you about it. He'll sell it much better than I can. But before we get onto the interviews today, I've got a little uh, excitable announcement to make because I've set up a Facebook group called 99% Perspiration, so you can find that on Facebook. But I'm hoping that over time it can grow into a group where people collaborate and swap ideas and um, help each other out on projects or promote each other. But um, it's based on advice from back in episode eight, uh, where we had Chris Ma from the Marketing Academy podcast, and he said he his Facebook group was an essential part of the work that he does, and that uh, it's helped people form connections and build up with each other. So two days in, we've got a Facebook group of about 40 members but I'm hoping that it's going to build up and build up over time if you want to join us you can search for 99% perspiration on Facebook in the groups and come and join in the conversations and that's as well as subscribing to us on iTunes following us on Twitter at 99podcast or heading to the website 99podcast.com where I occasionally post extra content as well as the regular episodes okay so let's get stuck in Uh, we're going to start with Kylie Ann Ford the actor based in South Shields and she's got fantastic advice let's go I've been doing like I'm to theatre since I was 16, maybe 14. I was pretty late to it because I just, like, none of me family are in theatre or anything like that. Like, it, literally in year nine, so I must have been 14, my friend Michelle Shotton said, oh, um, do you want to come to this uh, drama group tonight? I really want to go, but I'm, like, too scared to go by myself. And I was just like... Oh yeah, whatever, I'll go. Like I just used to go to everything back then. I was like, gospel choir, kickboxing, swimming. Like I used to just do anything. I was like, yeah, I'll do anything. Um, so I went along just because she didn't want to go alone basically. Um, and then like absolutely loved it. So just stayed forever more. Um, so through, I'm at a theater when I was younger, you meet people who then go on to work with other people. So you sort of meet people through them like the semi-professional scene has to borrow a lot of people from amateur amateur dramatics so your local amateur theatre and and like stuff like that is 
if you if you talk to the right people there's always people there who can help you into other work and introduce you to other people um and obviously everyone everyone at your local theater if you've got one everyone in your local drama groups and stuff like that they all have an interest in theater like it's it's good to be around people who have an interest in theater and who know what they're talking about like when you're young you're just so like intense about everything aren't you it's like oh my god okay so i wish i had known that south shields was not the be all and end all of the world like that was my world when i was young um and i understand now that nobody knows where south shields is which i'm going to change don't worry about that i'm going to change that but like you know, like shows that you do in South Shields have no bearing on the world. Like, use wherever you are, your your town or whatever, to get to a level and then progress. Don't just stay at that level and think, oh, it's okay. I'm at this. I'm at this level in South Shields where I'm doing a lot of shows and it's fine and it's great. That like, you know, progress. Like, always push forward. Don't settle. Like, London is where it's at supposedly. Like, I'm not having that. Like, I I would rather stay up here and try to create a better scene up here then move to London any day. Um, but at the same time, I want to, I still want to do big jobs and work for big companies and make big work and country-wide, worldwide things. That doesn't mean forgetting your hometown, but don't solely stick with your hometown. And I wish I had known there was so many different sort of schemes and things like that like like that people can do like I had no idea I didn't even know what like the National Youth Theatre was no idea not a clue it's amazing like it's literally amazing like anyone that is young enough to do it go and do it like I know so many people that have like done the National Youth Theatre and like they all loved it and just like I wish I had known that that existed I wish I had known for people in this region like live theatres um youth theatre goes up to the age of 25 I had no idea until I was 25 so I joined for literally like one season and I was like oh man like I did one show with them and then I had to leave because I was too old I I didn't know that Northern Stage did half of the um, like residency things and uh, trainee things as they did until literally I did North which is like literally just I've just done that so I didn't know that until I was 27 like springboard and um stuff like that like they do like loads of little and they've got like a young company that you can join um which is like a youth theater but it's like ace like they've got so many things like they they want people to get so involved from the outside northern stage looks like such a like a closed thing like it, it looks so hard to get in and like like I was always like oh well I'll never work for northern stage like they are like they so want people to come in and to do things and like they want to help the region like do you know what I mean like I wish I had known that it's okay to ask people for help and stuff like that like to to go and to say like oh hi Northern Stage what can you do for me oh hi live what can you do for me do you know what I mean like it's okay to do that it's absolutely okay to do that there's a big thing about like you know you shouldn't work for free and stuff like that and and there is a lot of people who sort of exploit people who are new into the business like because they know that they will work for cheap or for free and then that means that there's no jobs for people who want to work in the industry and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, when it's a situation like uh, it's a small company who don't have any money to pay you and they're, they're getting off their feet as well, like, absolutely go for that, do you know what I mean? Like, do that. Things like the um, radio plays for students and stuff like that, that's a that's an amazing way of getting into radio drama and it's helping people out with the university work and stuff like that's 
ace like that's brilliant get involved with that radio drama is brilliant to have as like a um like sound clips and things like that on your websites and stuff like that like i think people often overlook radio drama people think oh it's all about screen it's all about the air but radio drama is mint <laughs> it's meant to do and it's just meant to have to to show people and stuff what i would just say is literally just do everything you possibly can anything that gets offered to you if it's a little job a little script in hand just one nighter thing and you like never think you're above anything just do it because then the people that you meet from that will put you in touch with other people like they'll want to work with you again you get your name around just do everything you possibly can and be nice like there's no point in being an or a diva or thinking you're better than anything because you're never better than anyone or anything in life in general you could be the best actor in the world if you're an asshole, no one's going to want to work with you so you're not going to get anywhere do you know what i mean so just be be the nicest person that you can and be the best actor that you can and just do everything that's offered to you unless it's like oh come and do this thing and get naked for free like obviously be sensible <laughs> but you know yeah just take use every opportunity that you can um and always try and like network out from that so if you meet people at a thing that you do keep in touch with them and let them know that you're available for work and that you want to work with them again and stuff like that i try to do as many different things as possible just because i want to get better at everything do you know what i mean like it's important to to just get experience doing everything and not to focus your sights on one like you say like getting typecast like i don't want that that's not some people get typecast and it's absolutely the best thing that's like you know they'll work forever doing the same kind of roles like and they're great at it and that's great but i would rather do everything do you know what i mean because yeah. you want to continue to stretch yourself and totally and yeah totally I would say my gender has no relevance to how well I can do the job, but at the same time, you have to, yeah, like in acting, it's very specific, like they want a girl to play this role and for the part you have to look a certain way. It's like everything that I'm against in life, really, you know what I mean? Like, like judging people on like how they look and their gender and their height and like all sorts of things. Like it's really quite specifically judgmental so there's a lot of websites out there that are like oh casting casting this and casting hashtag casting.com and stuff like that um i've got casting call pro and i've got spotlight and you have to pay extortionate amounts for, <laughs> for those websites but i would probably say those are kind of the only ones that you should really pay for. If there's any other sites asking you to pay for them, it's probably just a massive like rip off. You kind of have to have Spotlight um, if you want to like work professionally or whatever. Like people say like you have to have it and stuff. You don't really have to have it, but it does help when people are casting and you send them your Spotlight link and stuff like that. And it makes it makes it seem a bit more legit and stuff like that. Um, I haven't I haven't had any jobs off Spotlight because when I got it, I was already working and then I've literally been chock a block since. So I've not I've not even had time to apply for anything off Spotlight. So I kind of feel like it was a massive rip off because I've had it for like a year or whatever and then like never used it. But at the same time, it's not really like it is. It is good to be able to say, oh yeah yeah, I'm on Spotlight. Yeah, I'll send you my link. Like like when you're talking to people and like uh, like asking to be seen for castings and stuff like that. Um, Casting Call Pro is actually pretty good for like smaller 
company things like um i've had like a couple of things off casting call pro it's not essential but it is useful as long as you're going to use it but you can also do my website is through casting call pro so you put all your stuff in and it gives you your casting call pro profile and stuff but then you can also turn that into a website like um like they do the website for you and stuff so it is like useful for that yeah i would say they're the best ones there's also the free ones that are more sort of extras based like any any one for tv which are good for like little extras and and like advert castings and stuff like that and that's like free um so like you might as well be on there i mean sign up to sign up to anything that's free i would say just to get your name out there but if you've got pay i wouldn't unless it's casting call pro or spotlight i think probably the rest of them are a bit of a but i mean i'm never on it constantly because most of the work that i get is from people that i know and that's just through working with people and building up that network and building up that relationship with them um so like they they know me so they just come straight to me like if they've got something that i can audition for and stuff like just keeping people informed that you are available for work and um yeah just keeping a keeping a working relationship with everybody that you meet and just spreading your network out to as many people as possible is probably way more effective than any of the online stuff people like working with people that they know are going to be good to work with do you know what i mean so talk to as many people as possible get introductions with as many people as possible work with as many people as possible my first podcast had corin in it oh did it it did oh, i love corin back in episode one Bless her. who doesn't love corin um she said the same as like um to be successful in theater because she was doing from the directing side you've got to be nice yeah and she was like going through like how important it is just to have manners and professionalism just respect respect in general do you know what i mean like you cannot you cannot like someone you cannot get on with someone um you cannot agree with someone but you have to respect what they're trying to do and you have to especially director wise like you have to respect that it's their decision yeah you have to respect that they're in charge that's that's your job that's part of being an actor like being an actor isn't standing on stage and like looking good and like trying to do the best acting being an actor is being good to work with and working well in a team and doing all of the hard work do you know what i mean it's not it's not just about standing on stage and getting applause that's not what being an actor is it's important that people remember that so up next on 99% Perspiration is Ian Rowan. He's the facilitator of a writers group based in Sunderland called Homeside Writers. And the reason I interviewed Ian is because um, I was contacted by a guy who listens to the show. He's called Matthew Winter Watson. He's a budding writer. He's just finishing his course at the university and he's really interested in tips and advice for writing and getting your work out there. So Matthew got in touch and recommended we talk to some more writers. So if there's anyone you want us to interview, maybe from a background I haven't even thought about, um, then please do get in touch because I'm always trying to improve the show and give you what you want as a listener. That is the most important thing for me, to give you what you want. So do get in touch um, at 99podcast on Twitter or you can email 99percentpodcast at gmail.com. So here's Ian Rowan from Homeside Writers. Homeside Writers Group is um, probably about 15, 16 month old now. And it's a group for adult creative writers in Sunderland. We started off in February 2014 with an idea, uh, Homeside Coffee in the ground floor of Independent on Homeside, 
were starting to put together some cultural and creative activities around the shop. They wanted to bring things in and do some more interesting things than just serve coffee. So they started up a film group and a book club, and um, I volunteered to help set up a writer's group. And we had our first meeting in February 14, and I was thinking, yeah, if I get three or four people come along, I'll be happy. And we had, I think, 11 or 12 came through the door, almost all of whom are still with us all this time later. And it's just blossomed from there. So we are an eclectic group of novelists, short story writers, poets, screenwriters, people who aren't quite sure what they want to write, radio drama writers, um, anything and everything to do with writing. And we have people who are quite experienced and people who probably hadn't written much or hadn't shared much of what they'd written before they started coming along to us. And we meet twice a month now, started off as once a month, but now meet twice a month in Homeside Coffee, first and third Wednesdays of every month. And we are free and always happy to welcome new members. It's important because it gives people who have an interest in creative writing uh, a sense of community and support somewhere to go where they can get feedback on their work that is kind but realistic and where they can mix with other people who are doing the same thing, get inspired by what other people are doing, learn things from each other and actually feel, no, I'm not alone in doing this and I'm not crazy for thinking I can write and I'm not crazy for thinking, well, actually, there's something to what I write. It's people like it. It's got potential. I can develop it. Maybe I can go on and sell work or um, enter competitions, develop my writing career, and who knows? Everybody who's, who's writing, whether beginning or been writing for years, will hit the same old problems, same kind of frustrations, same kind of challenges, and sometimes just being part of a community of writers just gives you that impetus to keep going when times are hard. You see other people and you see what they're doing and you get a bit inspired and you think, yeah, actually, I want to go back to my writing a little fresher. I was really lucky, and this is going way back now, when I first did, first started writing myself, I can't even remember how this happened, but I fell in with a, a group of writers online who are this small little writing group called Storyville. And there was probably only about 12, 14 of us. And we were all over the UK and about half of them were from the States as well. And some of those people have gone on to have amazing writing careers. Um, and I was really lucky to be part of that at a time when they still had enough time and opportunity to share their, their wisdom and their support and their encouragement. Um, somebody from that group, Jeff, has now gone on to be New York Times best-selling author, twice winner of the World Fantasy Award. His recent trilogy has just been optioned for film. He is the real deal, big, 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 critically acclaimed writer. And, yeah, he used to be my friend on this little writing group. And Jeff used to give us so much encouragement. And I'd love to kind of pay some of that back now to, to people who are developing their own writing careers. It gives you a sense of community, and that sense of community can stop what otherwise can be quite a lonely place when you're beavering away on a piece of work, and it's just you, and you hit the wall with it, and you don't know where to go. And sometimes a, a group can help you find the way to go, but sometimes you'll find that yourself. You just need that inspiration to stay plugged in. Plus, they're all lovely people, and it's really good just to hang around with them and, and you know, hear what people are doing and hear people talk. So I think that, that 
it, writing by definition for most people is a solitary activity. And that's what it is. It's you in the chair with a keyboard and a pen, and ultimately that's what it's got to come down to. There is one danger with all of this stuff around writing, which is you spend all your time doing all of this stuff around writing and don't actually write. But I think it, it, can, it can really help do all of that, foster confidence, and particularly for people who are starting out, it can just give that little bit of validation that, yeah, what you're doing, it's worth reading. People are reading it and liking it. And yeah, you might want to change this, develop that, work on the other, but there's something there. And that kind of positive encouragement, I think, can make the difference between somebody keeping writing or drifting away from it. What well, I'm just having to watch a little particularly the more we do as a group and the more exciting things that we do and are getting involved with which I'm and trust me I get so much out of doing this in, in terms of my own satisfaction and it's, it's one of the best things I've ever done so glad we do it but there's a danger that if I don't watch it I become a writer and a facilitator of a writing group who doesn't write very much so I've got to make sure I carve out time for my own practice within this and actually stay in touch with being a writer myself so that's something I'm working on juggling at the moment. And I think to manage all of that, you know, part of the key is being organised, which is a real shame because I'm really not an organised person. But I'm having to try this project here, that project there, and keep all those plates spinning. What helps is seeing other people working on their stuff and getting excited and doing things inspires me to want to write. Yeah, shop around if the competition's asking for money to enter. Some of them do, a lot of them do, because they've got to cover their costs, and that's not unreasonable. So the Bridport does, the uh, the um, Debut Dagger does, and if you write crime, long fiction, go in for the Debut Dagger, because pretty much everybody who's won it has ended up being published by a major publishing house. And that's fine. It's worth the money. There are others which will charge you know, a fair bit of money to enter. They might charge £10 to enter a short story. And you look at what you win, and you think, well, that's not a lot. And actually, this doesn't have much of a rep. It doesn't have much of a name for itself. And so you can see how it would work. Writers are, uh, there's so many of, of us, and we're desperate to get noticed and get recognition. You have a thousand people entering a competition at 10 quid a time, and then you give a prize of 200 pounds to the top writer and 50 to the second, and that's it. You've cleaned a lot of profit. And, um, so I think, I think you should enter stuff if you think it's going to make a difference or the reward is worth it. And you can check out the reputation of things online and see, look to see who else is talking about them. If the only people talking about a competition are the people who run it, my advice is to walk away. The publishing industry, I think, is in the same state that the music industry was in about 10 years ago when they'd effectively been able to call all the shots and, you know, I remember, show my age here, but when sort of vinyl started to disappear and CDs came in, which were much, much cheaper for them to press, but actually then cost a couple of pounds more when they were released. And so they called all the shots, um, uh, treated the band sometimes not that well, uh, made a lot of money out of it, and suddenly along came MP3s and Napster as the first file-sharing thing, and then BitTorrent and everything else. And suddenly the whole music industry has been turned on its head, um, not just by illegal file sharing, like Napster was, but by iTunes. And people who think, well, I don't want to buy an album, I just want to buy that one song or that song, and I don't want to pay 
$14.99 for it either. And the music industry has had to grapple with a complete transformation of its business. It's been totally disruptive um, as a technology, MP3. And ebooks a little bit the same, because suddenly people have the power in their own hands to produce their own and not go through a publisher. A lot of people are buying books that way now, and authors who are contracted to publishers are saying to public, pub, their publishing companies, well, hang on, I'm you're paying me 15%, 20% royalty on my hardbacks, and you're paying 15% royalty to me on the ebooks that are now my biggest seller, and yet you're not actually printing anything. You've got no costs for, you know, dead trees being made into books and printed and shipped around the country in lorries and display space and all of that. So he's still doing promotion, he's still doing editing, but I'm getting the same royalties for something where there's suddenly no physical artefact. And actually it's made a lot of writers start pushing publishers quite hard on the deals that they're offering. And there's been some people who've made their names by um, self-publishing. Um, that's where Twilight started out. That's where uh, Fifty Shades of Grey started out. And there are, there are a whole set of um, people who've made an absolute fortune self-publishing. And their books caught the wave and they've made an amazing career out of it. The bad news now is that the best time to have done that was about four or five years ago, when not so many people were doing it. It's still possible, but you're up against a lot of competition to get your voice heard because the world and his and her dog are self-publishing. Probably literally, actually. I'm sure if you look on Amazon, there is a book authored by a dog. People are starting to talk about then publishers and agents as being a, a gatekeeper model. That actually the one thing they can do, although they're not producing physical books as much as they used to do, is that if you buy a book published by a major publisher, you should, in theory, have some kind of understanding that actually this is of a reasonable level of quality. So I think the interesting thing over the next few years is about how the publishing industry develops that role. And you may even start to see almost a role for people who are re reviewers becoming more important. Because again, it's about putting that stamp of quality and saying, amongst these 200,000 books published in this genre in this year, these are the 50 that people are saying are worth reading. So I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's a time of very, very big change. And where there's big change, there's opportunity. There's an awful lot of stuff out there. Um, and I think as with everything, it's just be careful that what you're seeing is good advice. And um, there's a number of ways of getting at that. One is if the person giving it has been there, done that. And they're a published writer or they're an agent with a, with a decent agency. They know what they're talking about. You should be able to trust them, although they are but one voice. And even listening to publishers remember all the stories of J.K. Rowling being passed over by, what, 20-odd publishers before somebody picked her up? That's 20-odd people who every night cry themselves to sleep um, thinking what they missed. But that's that's the name of the game. So people, people who, who have an authoritative voice... Um, or people who maybe don't have such a kind of industry reputation but a lot of other people seem to trust and refer to but I think with all this stuff including everything that I have said throughout this entire thing you've got to use your own judgement and don't take anything as gospel the um, the writer Somerset Maugham said um, something like there, there are only three ways three secrets to writing a brilliant novel unfortunately nobody knows what they are 
and, and that's really true. There's a whole set of advice out there, but there are no rules. Or what look like rules are things that can be bent or broken if you're good enough and if you know what you're doing. And fundamentally, with all of this, you have to weigh up everything you're being told and see what works for you or works for your writing practice. And if it's a bit like critiquing in a writer's group, if everybody's telling you the same thing, it's really worth bearing it in mind and paying attention to it, thinking, are they right? Much as I might love this bit, that I think it's my finest bit of writing, it's the bit I'm most pleased about. If everybody else says, well, it doesn't really work for me, it slows the scene down, then maybe it's got to go. But in the end, it all comes down to your own judgment. And I think you have to be brave and accept that in following your judgment, you'll make mistakes. Unfortunately for me, Ian's interview was so long and so brilliant and full of advice that we weren't able to put all of it into one episode. So we may be hearing from Ian again in the future, um, and if not, putting extra content on 99podcast.com. So a big thank you to both of our guests this week, to Writers Group facilitator Ian Rowan and to actor Kylie Ann Ford. And also, again, a big thank you to MXI, a band based in Huddersfield, uh, for sending in your tracks. They are gorgeous. I love the mixture of... I mean, I don't know if you can tell, I'm a big fan of this band. I love the mixture of soothing music and dubstep. It's a really awesome fusion. So check them out if you're a fan of the soundtrack underscoring this podcast. They are on Twitter at WeAreMXI. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Like I say, head to the Facebook group at 99% Perspiration on Facebook. So please do join in the conversation and get involved. Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, stay productive. Stay awesome. Stay productive. Stay awesome.